Okay. Ah, I, I have no idea how to do this podcast anymore. I was on vacation for two weeks and I forgot everything. You did. Did you know before? Um, no, I did not know how to do that. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Uh, good. That's um, good. We don't well, have first. Yeah. I had a question. So where did you go on your vacation? Oh, please don't ask. Please, please, please don't uh, ask. Why? Was it bad? Okay. Like t- take a map of New York and then just drag a pencil up. Upstate, up, up, up. Keep going up. Keep going up. Keep going yeah. up. Keep going up. Get to the most outer, remote place you can possibly get to, and then go four hours from there. Mm-hmm. And that, and and then you're in the same general vicinity of of the the little lake we were at in the middle of nowhere. Okay, so you're in upstate New York somewhere. Very, very upstate. The the grocery stores all had signs in in French because it was actually closer to Quebec than Did than, you? than America. Oh really? Yeah. Interesting. That far. And there was there was no internet access, which everybody thought was cool. They're like, oh, you can be off the grid. I kind of figured there wasn't because I had emailed you a few things that you're usually pretty good about responding. I didn't need a response. I need you on vacation, but I kind of figured that actually. Yeah. Well, I don't get your email, but but I don't really ever expect to hear any response (laughs) from Joel on anything. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's still a couple of people that I reply to an email. I want to know blue moon. Yeah. And um, did you get the shakes at night at all? Like from not being able to check your email? Were you like laying in bed with your just with your arms shaking? No, I was happy as can be. What's that? What's that quote? Where did I just see that quote? I just saw it about how like basically when you're a teenager is the last time in your life that you're actually happy when the phone rings and it's it might be for you. Hmm. Where where did that quote come from? So yeah, internet don't need it. Happy to do without, but like I said, I forgot how to do the podcast. So today we're just kind of you know, yeah, we're just going to sit here and watch our our dedicated sales team play ping pong. That's in the background. You can see our. <laughs> I'm guessing they can hear it too, because for some team. reason nothing gets picked up on a microphone like Except a ping, ping pong, pong ball bouncing. Well, go make them stop. They're working for us. They work for us. So you're pretty close to Canada, eh? I look um, at the map here. Yeah, look at look from Malone, New York. Oh, I see it actually. It was right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's really. Geez, there's an airport. Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> that, see, wow, you were really close to Canada. You got to be careful. Yeah. Um, we went. To, <laughs> Jared was like, "Hey, there's a Siberian Husky breeder up here. Let's go visit. We love Siberian Huskies. I have a Siberian Husky." Um, so we drove out to one of the Siberian Husky breeders. It was in the area, and we thought we'd get to see a bunch of Siberian Huskies. Turns out they're super, super, super secretive. And she really? was like, "Yeah, she 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 allowed us to introduce our Siberian to one other dog." Oh, and we were like, so how many dogs do you have? We said, sort of hinting at we would like to see some of them because we drove all this way to see the Siberian Husky breeder. And she's like, none of your business. What business is oh. that of yours? She said. Why? We were like, what? Why? Why is there secretiveness of dog breeders? I don't get it. I don't know. Like, they think that it's like a top secret. Um, I don't know. I guess there's a mystery around how to breed champion Siberian Huskies. That's really strange. I don't know anything about that. Uh, yeah, so. it was it was a slightly weird experience, um, and uh, so that was a part of the vacation. <laughs> that was even farther than Malone, if you can imagine. Nice. Well, it sounds like you had a good vacation. Two weeks is a long time. That's good. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a bare minimum. Next time I'm going for three, and I'm going to be completely cut off from the internet the whole time. Right. 
Uh, so How long I guess a permanent vacation. Permanent, and then and then yeah. What I, what I, what I want to do is start increasing the length of the vacation <laughs> until they exceed the amount of time I spend. <laughs> Actually, at work. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm so you want to act like a certain former president of uh, the United States? Having trouble getting back. <laughs> having trouble getting back in the groove. Um, okay, so uh, let's see. I asked the um, the the live chat audience to give us some uh, some questions because. Um, because uh, I, I don't know how to do the podcast anymore, and we don't have uh, guests, but I don't see any questions on there. Um, well, we could talk about, we did launch the facebook.stackoverflow.com. Yeah, probably let's the talk biggest about the thing. stuff. Let's talk about the stuff. So, yeah, Facebook. Or, am I allowed to say now what the secret code name of that was? Yeah, it was uh, Zombie Poke. Zombie Poke. The Costanza wallet was better. That's a different feature. I know. I'm just saying it's a better name. Let's yes. uh, let's actually talk about Costanza uh, Costanza wallet first because that was sort of a that was believe it or not that was sort of a requirement to the Facebook. Well, um, it's it was related. It wasn't a strict requirement. Mostly, it was just cleaning up of identity stuff because um, we had this idea that you know you're going to use different forms of credentials to log in. But one thing we found out, which we we've, we've talked about this before, is that e- email is pretty much identity to a lot of sites now. Email is kind of coalescing as sort of standard identity across the internet, for better or worse. Mm-hmm. And people have a lot of email addresses. I mean, I, I know I've ranted about this, but if you sit down and think about like how many different emails you get from different accounts, it's, it's for most people, it's at least three. Right. You got, com- you got uh, CompuServe, MCI Mail, Apple Link, and plus your regular fax number. AOL. Yeah. Yeah, nice. AOL. You've got mail. Okay. Uh, so, but we allowed two. And that was just sort of a hack that I put in a long time ago. So we wanted to go back to the well and say, look, let's do this the right way and have unlimited forms of identity. And the other thing we did was we've, because email is, is again, sort of the, the, the gold standard for identity, uh, we've done this thing for a while. Like if you log in from multiple accounts and they have matching emails, um, yeah. and, and it's a what we call a whitelisted provider, meaning the provider actually validates the email. So if you if we get that email back from the provider, we and know we, that like it's yours. I mean, it has to be because the provider wouldn't let you sign up unless. So we they basically we know which providers are honest about email. Or, or uh, actually verify the email address. Yeah, or they control it. Like in the case of Gmail, I mean, it is. Oh, of course. It, they are the email provider. And the same thing with Yahoo. And So they, uh, wouldn't, feed, like they wouldn't feed us a garbage email address. No, no. But the tricky thing with Gmail is that, you know, you can have Gmails attached to some other random mail address that doesn't end in Gmail. Because yeah. there's Gmail for domains so and stuff confusing. like that. So confusing. And you can sign into your Gmail with any arbitrary email address you want. It's really confusing. Yeah, right, right, right. So if we see, um, we've kind of made it clear, like if you go to your profile page on Stack Overflow or any Stack Exchange sites, there's something called My Logins. We call it Logins because we were like, what should we call this? Because to us, it's the wallet. It's the place where we put credentials. But we were afraid that like the word credential was kind of like a scary word. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't want to scare weird. people. What so we thought, is this? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, these are your logins. You use them to log in because login, it's either login or sign in. Like we couldn't quite decide which what's one a, was a, better. There's like no metaphor for that. It's almost like, it's kind of like credentials, but nobody would be saying, my credentials? What does that mean? That They wouldn't think that. My, and besides, that's something else. That's like, well, I am an associate senior software engineer of uh, the uh, British Empire. Yeah, right. It's, it's just kind of, a, it's a correct word, but it might be confusing. So we went just the simpler login. Uh, we could have called it sign-in. Then we realized that pluralizing sign-in is weird. My sign-ins. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whereas logins doesn't sound as weird. It's signs so. in. My signs in. My signs in. You have to do like eggs benedict. We do fog bugs just add a Z to the end. <laughs> just add another Z. When yeah. in doubt, just add another Z. Add another Z. Add another Z. We could, the uh, section could be called logins with a Z. Yeah, well, L-O-G-I-N-Z. Logins. Is, yeah, the logins is a feature. So you can uh, now have a list, and, and, and these are really your open IDs in a sense, right? These are like... Uh, kind of, but remember, Facebook is OAuth, so it's not strictly, it's not strictly not open strictly IDs. Open it ID. really is logins. It really is just these are the things that I use to log in. These the are the site. things that I want to be able to allow me to access my site. So it's kind of weird. It's like by having multiple, that's like saying you can stick as many doors as you want on your account at Stack Overflow. You still get into the same room, but you can put as many doors on there. And each door can use whatever key you want to come up with, whether you want to use your Gmail or your Facebook or your or even your own Stack Exchange, your primary Stack Exchange one. Yeah, that's right. And we are our own provider, too. So you can use us. Um, you can set up a Stack right. Exchange account. I mean, but to us, it really is the wallet. It's like, okay... You, you say you're Joel Spolsky, but how do I know that? You have to show me some form of ID, right? And mm-hmm. you have probably 10 forms of ID in your wallet that I would find acceptable. And this is another extension of that. Um, but going back to email real quickly. So um, anytime we see an email that we know is valid, again, the, the what we call the whitelisted providers, you can log in with that credential even if we haven't seen it before, so long as it maps to the same email address. In other words, say you have a Gmail account and you have a Facebook account. Now, they both use the same email address, right? Like when you signed up for Facebook, you said, you know, Joel Spolsky at gmail.com. That's not Joel's actual Gmail address. <laughs> right. uh, when we see that come through, we go, oh, look, this is a Facebook account that maps to this whitelisted validated email. Oh, and look, it just so happens that this other guy has the same whitelisted email address. Wow, they must be the same person. <laughs> right. Uh, so it just sort of automatically maps you to that account, which we were kind of doing before, but this formalizes that as a thing. There's those, those people, sometimes you get those couples in the Midwest where the husband and the wife have one email address for both. It's like, it's like, it's like, oh, this is Bob and Lisa at whatever dot something dot com. My aunt and uncle still do that. Really? It's really weird because you email, you're like emailing with one of them. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 10 messages into the conversation, boom, you get an email from the other one. Not acceptable. Yeah. Not acceptable to share an email address with you. And, and it's like, I'm sure it's always just like the, the, the one of the partners is slightly suspicious that the other partner is seeing a Russian mail order bride. It doesn't have to be Russian. I don't. I don't think so. I think just one of them doesn't really want his own email address. Yeah. Well, so, the nice thing about this is you can have an, a truly an unlimited number of credentials attached to your account. Yep. And the other thing, Joel, is this is another step towards pushing identity up to the network level, because. When we started uh, sort of Area 51 after the, the big New York meeting, uh, you know, I, in my mind, I had, okay, we'll have five, maybe ten new sites. But, you know, we ended up having like 50. And, and the problems are a bit different at the network level when you have that many sites. So we've been pushing more and more stuff sort of up to the network level, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a little bit scary because it is centralized, meaning like if that stuff goes down, like we're really super screwed now. Yeah. Um, like you wouldn't be able to log in. Um, I think that's now the case. That was not the case before. It was, we had a very distributed identity system, which is great for redundancy, but sucks for like centralizing. Well, it wasn't exactly redundancy. I mean, like if a Stack Overflow login was down, you wouldn't be able to log on to Stack Overflow. You'd still be able to get onto english.stackexchange.com. Yeah, that's right. But we decided that the the inconvenience of yeah. not having a network level outweighed the risk of that. So this is another step in that direction as well. So Costanza Wallet is yet another 
pushing of identity of yeah identity is now closer to being at the network level because if you go to english and you add say your facebook account or a new my open id to your wallet if you will to your my logins link on your page that actually will work across the network which is great which is yeah. probably what people thought was happening all along <laughs> well that's right Certainly that's right but again expect it, it to behave yeah it's just a historical quirk because sure. you know we had three sites and we we're like oh we'll have five you know it just it wasn't on the radar, but that's now it always. Is. A, I mean, that's such a common problem. I mean, that obviously that happened with Fogbugs, where it was built for one instance, and all of a sudden we're hosting like four thousand instances on one machine. Uh, where you just decide, hey, I'm going to take this database-backed service and just make lots of databases, and each of them is going to be its own thing. And that's never the tr- that's not that's never tur- turns out to be the actual relational model you want. So you have to have some centralized thing as well. For the actual questions, it hasn't been bad. We haven't really run into any major problems because we do segment by audience. That actually turns out to be a, I think, a good right thing to do. So but far, identity yeah. is not right there. Like when you have 50 different logins, that sucks. Like we had users that <laughs> they would use totally different credentials to log into different sites, you know, and I don't even know how they were keeping track of it, right? It's the same person. They just um, tried all of them. They just would I randomly mean, they... said, oh, I'm going to use this Gmail here and this Gmail here. And it was like, people yeah. have. I mean, I know people. Well, there's a guy who has like nine forms of identity, <laughs> and that he, nine different things he used to log into the network. And so he, now they're all sort of in one place. And not not intentionally. Not like he's like, oh, I really want to use this account for that and that account for this. It's probably just accidental kind of. Well, Google did fix the problem where you, when you logged in, it would use sort of the last identity you had. Oh yes, thank God. Oh, they did fix that because fine. now every time you log in through Google, it asks you. It's like, oh. Assuming you've turned on the magical multi-identity mode, which I assume most people have, this but is now a, it's quite sane. You sort of just pick. You're, there's a bullet, like a radio button of, oh, which which Gmail did you want to use of the ten that you have to log in here? <laughs> this is such a silly system that we have built on the internet on the internet in general. Just just like the Google, just Google, just looking at just Google and the way they do identity on Google. With the domains, and you got the multiple accounts, and each one can have a different email address, and you constantly—it's—it's um, it's just silly. Okay, there's there's a lot of room for improvement there. I mean, I have a whole story. I've, I've been meaning to blog about this, but I, I think the browser executable needs to have better identity support. Ooh, should we talk about that? We we might have talked about that before. I yeah, we thought kind of mentioned that, that before. Yeah. We kind of mentioned that before. I mean, we could drill into it, but let, let's let's move on to Facebook. Actually, Facebook that's enough more about interesting. Yeah, that's enough about yeah, identity. Yeah, login. It. So Facebook uh, called us and said, hey, "Yo, we're 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 trying to figure out how to support our developers that are programming against the um, Facebook API." And, oh, and just so you know, Joel, there's this yeah. several people that have this misconception about the the dump truck of money. Like we did this because they, they wrote us this dump massive check. Yeah, like, no, I don't. They they gave it's us a tiny. tonka. Tr- a Tonka truck dump truck Tonka, full of money. A Tonka truck dump truck. But th- but those are, yeah, they're like little Greek drachmas and stuff. It's not real money. Um, we got face- we're got we getting paid in Facebook credits. Facebook. <laughs> and we need it for our farm. Yeah, exactly. Look, we're trying to build out our farm, build farm. We got enough Facebook credits to buy for, to buy one of those double-sized you know, farmhouses. You know what we can buy? Bebo. <laughs> Um, that's like a one one millionth of a Facebook. Actually, frankly, if we if we keep running it for a couple more months, we might be able to afford MySpace, given its and, and MySpace. Is, it's um, we'll, we'll we'll cross we'll cross them on the way up. Um, yeah, no, we didn't do it for the money. So Facebook came to us and said, uh, "Yo, the problem is that we want to su- provide support for our developers." And essentially, they kind of recognized that in reality, developers get their support on Stack Overflow in most cases. So, if you're Facebook and you try to make 
you know, spend a lot of money or effort making some kind of online discussion forum thing where people can ask their questions, you're never going to even have a majority of the programming questions about the Facebook API and Facebook Connect and all those other Facebook, uh, you know, SDK. There's a lot of Facebook technologies that you can program against. Uh, Facebook authentication. Facebooker. I don't even know what that is. I, let's just assume that's a mistake. Facebook JavaScript SDK. There's, there's all these Facebook technologies that they, you know, want developers to program. And a lot of, and there are a lot of programmers using them. They're having a whole conference called F8 for their develop. Is that just for their developers? That's no, their developer no, no, no. conference, right? F8. They're adding a developer. When we when we were there, they indicated they're going to add like a developer day sort of after oh, F8. Right, but right. F8 is very much just a press event. It's not okay techie at all. But they're adding a day to it, and they have this program called Operation Developer Love because. What, Joel and I went down there and met with Facebook, and first of all, I was actually very impressed. Uh, I don't want to name names and stuff, but uh, the people who were in charge really did get this idea that you want to support community, the, the outside greater community of developers. It's not about, mm-hmm. you know, not invented here, we have to own this. It was like, let's just cultivate developer community where it's already happening. Yeah. And in a genuine way, not in a fake, oh, we got to you know, make amends, which they do, because did you see that? sort of TechCrunch survey of, like, worst developer APIs, and, like, Facebook was, like, number one with a bullet on that list of, like, <laughs> which developers thought that the a- had the worst API. Right. Um, so they have a lot of, like, healing to do. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, but I feel like the people they have in charge of this there are very, very smart people that do get developer community mm-hmm. and uh, are willing to sort of work with us on this to, to, to make it make sense. And... Uh, that's what I liked about it. It wasn't the dump truck of money because I don't think there is a dump truck, or at least if there is, I don't have any of it. <laughs> yeah, not not such a dump uh, truck. And, we, and you know what? Don't tell Facebook. I hope they don't listen to our podcast. But we would have done it without the dump truck of money. All they, in fact, I, I I don't think any of this is secret. All they did is they bought some ad inventory so that they could put developer links on some of the Facebook questions instead of us showing a random you know advertisement for toothpaste on whatever question it was about Facebook. I mean, to me, it's a legitimate platform. I mean, I've sort of come to terms with Facebook. I've, I was never really a Facebook fan, but uh, there's a sort of inevitability to it, and it's there, you know, and it's working. And it, I mean, like, it has valid uses. I know people that use Facebook and get utility out of it. It's, it's a valid <laughs> service. It's not all about Farmville, right? I mean, we joke about that, but no, it's only half. <laughs> it's only half. I mean, the other half is utility, though, right? Pictures, so, actually, I don't know. uploading pictures. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pictures of your children's, your family. It's a valid use case. There's a so, lot of developers writing Facebook stuff. And, and, and I mean, starting with Zynga, which is a multi-billion, trillion, gazillion dollar company with, you know, a, an entire building full of programmers in, in San Francisco uh, that write Facebook games. Yeah, so a, that's right. It's a, it's, a, it's a serious development community. And in some ways, I think Facebook is, ah, I don't want to say that Facebook is just the new AOL. But there are some ways in which it really resembles what AOL was like um, five to ten years ago. Uh, it's very mass market. It's not, you know, maybe the elites are not using it as much. Like we programmer dudes are like, eh, Facebook, eh. I use Picasa for my pictures or whatever the elites use. But, but, um, but it's got the 750 million normal people using it. Um, and in that way, it's very much like AOL. And... To some extent, a large chunk of those normal people that are using Facebook are using it as if it were the internet. Like it's really the only thing they need on the internet is is Facebook. They're using it for messaging, for keeping in touch with their friends, uploading pictures, and that's kind of all they do. And so, you know, a, a company's Facebook page may be their only interaction with that company on the internet. They won't go to the company's URL necessarily. 
I don't. I, I view it as training wheels for the internet. I mean, I think it's yeah, much. Closer that's what to the AOL internet. is, right? But that, no, but no, I think it's much closer than than AOL was to the actual internet. I think it's much less. I guess it comes up in a web browser usually. So, well, let me give you an example. Like, I was very impressed that Facebook is supporting OAuth 2.0. So, OAuth 2.0 is yet another sort of service of distributed identity, which I'm a big fan of because I mean, who wants to have 50 friggin' logins? And the idea is that you can use your Facebook account to log into their sites and OAuth among other things, makes this possible. Mm -hmm. But the thing about OAuth you have to understand is there's two standards. 1.0a, which is the worst thing ever written, which is like, like I had to work with this the other day. I had heard how bad it was. It, it, everyone associated with it should be sort of shot. Can we, is there somebody we can blame? Bad. Uh, there's a whole list of like contributors to who, who built the 1.0a spec, but it's just ridiculously complicated for something like really simple. Mm -hmm. And like there's a thousand ways to get it wrong and only one way to get it right. Plus, like it totally assumes you're in the browser. It makes all these implicit assumptions. Like if you write a console app, like, oh, I'll write a console app that will update my Facebook status under the OAuth or let's say Twitter because Twitter is still on OAuth 1.0a. It's just inhumanly wrong. Like you have to have these super complicated libraries. It's like getting into a bank vault to update your frigging Twitter status. Okay. It's horrible. Uh, but OAuth 2.0 is surprisingly sane. Like, they actually went back and rebuilt it in a way that makes some semblance of sense. Um, and very few services support 2.0 yet because it's an emerging standard, but Facebook supporting it is huge because they're the 800-pound gorilla of social media services. And they got those and 750 really, million logins. Is, so. They didn't have to do that, Joel, because they had, like, you know, Facebook Connect, their proprietary API for doing this. Right. So, them saying, hey, we're going to use, like, an emerging part of a, a common standard is, I, I think, a very big deal to me that said, look, we want to do the right thing here, and at least some parts of the company do. Um, they don't have necessarily have the don't-be-evil mandate of Google, but uh, I, I see a lot of signs that they're trying to sort of live within the web container in a way that's in harmony with the web and not necessarily attacking it. So I, I was open to this for a variety of reasons, and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Plus so, the so truck of money. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We 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 have money. We don't need money. Um. The so what the result of this is if you go to facebook.stackoflow.com, you see and there's some, there was a little confusion about this. People thought it was just another stack exchange. It's not. It's what this is is Stack Overflow in filter mode, showing you only Facebook tagged questions. Yes. And we had actually talked about this quite extensively, I think on podcast seven, one of the earlier podcasts, this came up and we described it as emacs.stackoverflow, but it is exactly that. I mean, mm -hmm. we had a whole long, actually, I went back and re-listened to that because people were asking about it. And I was like, well, just go listen to the podcast because we it's discussed all explained. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much it has been explained. The idea is it's for, it's for a technology that's not one tag. It's not for a single tag where you have stackoverflow.com slash tag slash whatever. It's for a group of tags that reflect some larger world of technology with a group of people that all work in this world of technology. And um, you may want to use multiple tags and, and other tags. So, you know, you've got Facebook and you've got this, the, the Facebook Graph API and you've got Facebook Connect. And those are both Facebook tags. Um, they're different technologies and you want to use them separately, but they're somehow connected in that they're both related to Facebook. So, um, and then the, I don't know why Emacs became the example of this, but I think my original uh, example was to make like a .NET one or a Java one because there's about a million .NET technologies and you can make a version of Stack Overflow that was just the world's most parochial .NET Q&A site and you never have to see a single Ruby question if the, that stuff drove you crazy. Not that I'm encouraging this, but that was the original technology idea. And in fact... We, it, it first came up in the context of stack exchanges where 
there was a, there was a world of people that wanted to make a guitar performance site, and then a bunch of people that wanted to make a classical guitar site, and then a bunch of people that wanted to make a generalized musical performance site. And we were trying to figure out how to smash these people together in one big glorious site so it would get critical mass. And we thought, what if we had guitar dot music dot stack exchange? And it's really showing you the music performance stack exchange, but only the guitar questions. Now on music that would be insane because if I go to music dot stack exchange right now, yeah. because there's like if you scroll down the earliest question is August eighteenth, which is Months ago. A week ago. So I don't think you have a, necessarily have a problem where you can't keep track of all questions. Right. We don't nearly have the... <laughs> we, don't, we don't have the two million questions that we now have on Stack Overflow. Yeah, not Yeah, like there. if you want to look at just the guitar questions, like scroll your page. You know, yeah, it's not a super complicated problem. But this was... Uh, um, th- I, I, I'm only telling this sort of in the context of it, like historically, how do we think about this? When we were looking at I Area know. 51 and... The, and um, uh, but... Uh, you know, we, we always had this idea of doing this, and, and it was sort of a lot of work, but we were, you know, starting to lay the groundwork for it, at least for Stack Overflow, uh, when Facebook called us and, and, and we said, hey, we have exactly the right thing for you guys uh, right now. Um, and you realize, too, that it's sort of like the venture capital thing. Joel and I are not going to get into relationships with people that we don't, A, trust, and B, like. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... That's just not how we do things. So nope. you can pretty much assume that yep. anybody that we bring online, like we, yep. we have pretty much met them. We like them. Like they yep. get the mission. They're not right. crazy, you know, we'll destroy our system type yeah. of people. And Jason fact, Punyon. Yeah, well, except for Jason Punyon, yeah, no, who has to be watched very, very closely at all times. Um, one of the things I look at, I actually had lunch recently with uh, another user from the Stack Exchange Network that was doing some nonprofit work and wanted to talk to me. And... Uh, the reason I, I, I agreed to have lunch with him uh, was because I could sort of tell that he got what we were doing. And I, I really enjoyed this lunch because he really did grok the mission. And he had actually done this thing that I want to tell you about, which is hilarious. So on bicycles, his dad is a super avid cyclist. Mm-hmm. But he spends all this time on the traditional forums, which, you know, he, he have all the traditional forum problems of signal to noise where you spend all this time on there and you're generating these artifacts that nobody can find. There's little gems of information buried in, you know, this is my favorite color of bicycle and, you know, argument, all the usual forum sort of bullshit that you get. So what he did was he uh, pointed his dad towards bicycles and then asked a shill question of exactly the sort of things that his dad was into. Like, uh, I can't say what it is because I want to expose who it was, but it was a good on-topic question. But it was just happened to be like right up his alley. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he totally seeded the site with the right question, then pointed his dad at the site, and of course his dad writes this fantastic answer uh, <laughs> about this thing because he's a super avid cyclist, and he gets excited because he's you know people voted up because it was a great answer, and yeah. I just love this story. And I was like, this is exactly why I'm talking to you because you you sort of get why forums have problems, what we're about. You know, sort of how to attract users and the reputation system. That's what, we got to get the cast story. team to do that. Let's, let's write that down as a cast team task. Create shell questions. No, just get just just. <laughs> I mean, that's a part. That's a part of the cake. The cake. The, <laughs> a part funny. of the cake recipe is to is is actually sometimes it's like a lot of times it's just finding them right. Like find the question that will get the person to answer it. But if you can ask it. If you have somebody, you're having lunch with somebody, and they tell you an amazing story about something that's friggin' amazing, and you just want to get them to brain dump that story on the internet, go ask the question on Stack Exchange and say, "Hey, answer this, please." Maybe it can work. I mean, I, I kind of I blog something similar, it's not exactly the same. Of 
if you know somebody semi-famous and they actually have a question, ask that question on their behalf. This is a little bit different because you're you're asking sort of uh, you're preemptively asking questions. They haven't actually asked the question. You're sort of seeding mm-hmm. it. Um, it's an interesting technique. I don't know if it would scale because you'd have to really know the other person really well. Like this was his dad. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot so of that. Sort of, yeah, it, 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 to the extent that it scales, you see a lot of that going on in Quora, where a lot of what Quora is is provoked blog posts where you're, you're you somebody will say mm, i would be really interested to see what such and such a person thinks about such and such a thing and then Quora lets you direct a question at a person and ask them to answer it and um if you're lucky you'll get a blog post out of that person that will live on you know as kind of the official answer there all right we're going to take a quick break for a promo from one of our stack exchange network podcasts and we'll be right back Hi, I'm Kyle Cronin. I'm Jason Salas. And I'm Nathan Greenstein. And we host the Ask Different podcast. We created this show to talk about the Ask Different community and the Apple technology we know and love. We discuss Apple news, highlight awesome apps, and feature guests and questions from the site. We've covered WWDC, reviewed a few of the best Lion features, and much more. So if you're the kind of person that thinks two buttons is too many, we encourage you to listen. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Ask Different Podcast or at podcast.askdifferent.net. Yeah, and we'd also, yeah, touch on some of the IMA stuff. I mean, it, it's a little bit different than what we do, but mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely interesting. And, and I thought this was very clever. Of course, I thought the story was hilarious. And I went and looked it up, and it was all true. <laughs> it's all on the site. Yeah. Uh, and bicycles is great. And then, too, when I was talking to this this gentleman, uh, I pointed out that, look, you know, I, I know bicycles. Like, I, I started the, the mountain biking club at the University of Virginia back in 1992 when I was there. What? And I, I have a garage full of bicycles. Like, I have the foldable bicycles. Uh, well, actually, all my bicycles are foldable now. <laughs> but I have two different <laughs> some kinds. Of them, I, some of them are folded, <laughs> not intentionally. Okay. But, you know, it's something that I enjoy. Like, I don't – and not that's not true of every site. Like, I don't necessarily enjoy statistics. But a lot of the sites that we uh, start come from a genuine – you know, interest in the topic. It's not, not be, like, let's just launch a site because our Google Analytics tell us that this site will be successful. You know, we have the Area 51 process. And also, like, we have to genuinely like the sites that we launch. Like, Wait, what? Joanne, look at the sites. Really? I mean, the content, the content, the content. Can I, can I, not, does that mean I can get rid of sites that I, <laughs> I'm talking about the content here. But a lot of times we do have backgrounds in the, in the actual uh, topic as well, but the content is what I mean. Like, this is when we looked at AI that we had shut down. We, there's another one that we shut down we, that I've forgotten like about recently. Atheism, freelancers. freelancers got shut down. Free, yeah, freelancers was dumb. There was no questions there. There's nothing to talk about. What's uh, let's let's do the, Jeff? What is your what is your least favorite site? And don't say math. No, no, I like math. I have nothing, no beef with math at so all. So, of the sites that you have, which is your least favorite? Um, I'm browsing the list right now. I'm I'm going to yeah, let me super look user. List. I'm sorry. I know that super user is really important, but they didn't answer I know, my question that time. I know you don't like that, that site, but you don't, you don't understand that site for I know. some reason. I know. Because you don't build your own computers. That's the bottom line. You, you pretty much buy whatever Apple puts on the shelf. <laughs> I, I love that site. I needed a way to switch my audio things, like to easily switch between speakers and headphones and like my USB headset as the default audio device. Someone like oh, nice. had already had a script on there because someone else wanted to. Boom. There was like an auto hotkey script. It took me... 30 seconds to download, install it, and boom, it's all perfect. Okay, I don't really dislike Superuser. I take it back. Well, I think it's just not you. You're not the audience. I think Superuser is for people who like thinking about their computers and like tweaking them. And I don't. I think you're beyond that now, which it's not wrong. It's just you're the type of person that doesn't really want to think about your computer. 
uh, which is again, Fair enough. There's, I'm not making any judgments. I'm just saying that's yeah, the way yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, maybe that's right. Maybe that's. Right. Oh, you know what? Side I didn't. I'm sorry to take. People are going to hate me now. Um, I, I never really liked the writer's site because it it seemed like a whole bunch of uh, like dancing about architecture, as they say. Like writing well, about writing instead of actually writing was well, sort of like. Mm. I, I figured out what the deal is with writers because I, I was also very excited about writers, and I still am. But what I realized is that the type of writing that I do is all sort of nonfiction, like tech writing. Mm-hmm. And the type of – a lot of writers, a lot of the most avid writers are really fiction writers. And mm. it, it's a kind of a different world. It's kind of like the, the old dumb analogy I bring up, the one that Michael Pryor gave me about the saltwater uh, aquariums versus the freshwater aquariums. Yeah. They seem like the same thing. Like, to the people from the outside, it's like, oh, it's all writing. Yeah. But when you sit down and start to do it, like, fiction versus nonfiction uh, is, I think, a very different animal. Yeah. That's why when I go to writers, like, I can't help. Like, I can't do anything there. Because to me, if I have a question about my writing, I'll just write. You know, I'll just do it. I'm not going to introspect about it a whole lot. But that's just the nature of what I'm doing. Whereas if I had to do character development in, you know, 17th century England... I would have very different questions about how do I write these characters. Yeah, maybe it's like baking versus grilling. You know, it looks like cooking, but it's different. Yeah, I think it's it's just a different audiences, and I don't think it's wrong. It's just it's not really for me. Okay, so I don't dislike them. Fine, parenting. Why why are you so upset that you don't dislike these people? I, I just want a site to hate. I just need one site to hate. Oh, this is so unJoel. What happened to you? <laughs> This is not a very Joel thing. This German, is like playing German which, language. Which one of our children do we like the least? Oh, Christianity. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, there's at least there's a religious basis for that. That makes more okay. sense. Um, okay. Well, you know, I have a controversial answer, and I've talked about this on another podcast, so I can actually cite it. And I, the I link, it should but, be controversial, yeah. Uh, I think gaming is my least favorite site. That's our largest oh. stack exchange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's got a great <laughs> community in it, though, doesn't it? Uh, oh. No. No, Ask Ubuntu is bigger. I mean, it depends how you do the sorting. I'm sorting by default right now on sites, and it's one, two, three, four, five, six, or seven. Oh yeah, man, it's below math, English, web apps, on a number of users, um, but it's it's solid. It's, it's got a lot of traffic actually too. Yeah, I just my issue with gaming is that I feel like I've talked about this before, but it, gaming is not really a profession. It's not a, it's not an aspirational profession. Like right, nobody's right. going to. I disagree. With, it is an <laughs> aspirational profession. There are. Crap load of people sitting yeah. in their mom's basements, basements wanting to get paid to play video games. Yeah. And sometimes there's like those, those nose talkers that kind of aspire whenever they talk. Yeah. Sorry, that was a dumb joke. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Joel's yeah. back, baby. <laughs> that, was the, that was the worst one. That was my worst tweet of the week. Um, I, the th- there's a gaming league. There's like a gaming um, league where the people play games like as if they were pro sports. There's a, there's a bunch of those things. But look, but if you scroll down this list, these are all things that could be professions, really, for the most part. I mean, certainly running a Everything business else. that's a profession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess web apps is a little bit marginal, but you could still be, you know, that that's a desktop support person. Okay. Um, Unix, Android, game dev. I mean, these are all professions. And gaming isn't. That's, that's issue number one. Issue number two is the topic is really broad because you can talk about – I could talk about an Atari 2600 game. I could talk about Pong. But that's or true I of Stack Overflow. About, that's true of Stack Overflow too. Yeah, but like, how many real languages are people playing? Whereas, I mean, playing. millions, billions, <laughs> and APIs and languages, and I mean, the number of tags that are possible on Stack Overflow is just—I I think it's a, it's as big as. Mm, 
No, 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 no. That's not true, though. Look at the number of active languages. I'm talking about like languages that have like a reasonable, you know, population. I mean, if you look at the number of games that are being played right now, it's got to be in the thousands, at, at least, if not more, like active right now today. Huh. Whereas, so, can you really say there's thousands of active programming languages that, you know, people are going to come on the site and ask a question about today? Maybe not. Yeah, see, that's the other thing is it's just super broad. And they have a tagging problem because they want to tag each question with a specific game and necessarily platform that it's on. Mm-hmm. But this is problematic because, again, you have so many different games that it's a long tail thing. You end up with you know thousands and you know hundreds of thousands of tags, one for every game ever created. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it's it's kind of a weird fit to our system to the point that, like, say you tag something strategy and then, uh, well, not StarCraft. That's a bad example, but something else like Red Alert Three, strategy and Red Alert Three. Well, strategy is going to be the lead tag because there's going to be tons of questions about strategy. Uh, and it really Red should Alert be Red Alert Three, yeah. But it really should be Red Alert 3 because the question's about Red Alert 3, so it needs to be in the title. But that's a side effect of this this broad topic scope thing. That they is that have. even a thing, Red Alert 3? There isn't a single Red Alert 3 question on our site. Uh, I just hmm. made that up. Oh, I think they're Red Alert 2. But, okay. Oh, no, there is Red Alert 3. It's a Bootsy game I'm on Wikipedia. It's that's, from 2008. But that was my point. This is from 2008. Some somebody, somebody somewhere is playing this right person. now. Yeah, but there's not a single question about it on gaming. There, there's, there are really gaming really follows the wave of of games that have just come out, and everybody's trying to. Well, a, no, there's Red Alert and Red Alert Two questions. Plus Type Minecraft. In. There's there's four Red Alert questions, and looks like one Red Alert Two question. All right, we're getting. I'm popping the stack now here, baby. Fine. Gaming. Okay, so Facebook. Uh, that's that's kind of a big thing. The Facebook that uh, Stack Overflow, and hopefully all the other people that have gigantic APIs will will uh, will. I think what we'll do is the first three large companies that come to us wanting the first the first doing, three yeah like top top ten tech companies that come to us yeah asking for us to make a Facebook dot type Stack Exchange thing we will do we'll do for free and the rest of them um, are going to have to pay truckloads of money dump trucks dump trucks and slurs. actual dump trucks not Tonka dump trucks oh, Tonka Tonka not not a Badonka Tonka don't don't go you're getting dangerous territory Joel. Let me see. Do we have any questions from the audience before we get to some of the other? There's some. There's lots of other new features we could talk about. That's, of course, the big one of the last two weeks, and we've been away for weeks and weeks and weeks. I want to put in one disclaimer. I, I do like gaming. I just My issue is I still conceptually think it's kind of a bad fit for our network. Uh, they're making it work, but yeah. I, I don't hate it. I want to be clear, because Joel said, "What's you know, which site do you hate? I don't hate gaming. I just have reservations about it. That's all. Hmm. I'll be clear about that. Tim Stone makes a good point. It may be hard to get a dump truck filled with money past the lower Manhattan security checkpoint. Um, all you got to do is just have some of that money fly into the hands of the person manning the truck pump, truck, truck ch- checkpoint. Hey, Joel, Benazi. did you want to talk about, before you left, you had blogged about careers, reputation, not rep? I did. See, this is how... how You've completely <laughs> forgotten. I thought that was David. Well, here, no, no, I'll no, just read the me. little in. Blog.com, let's just scroll back six months. Well, we haven't, we haven't talked about careers in a while. I would like to talk about it, actually. Let okay. me just read you this blurb, and this will, I'm sure it'll all come rushing back to your mind. Uh, the problem I see is that careers gives advantage to developers with high stack. Oh, yes, I remember. Statistics. That was an, this an email I get, like, every three days, and I just wanted to get it down on, on, on paper, my, my response to that. And that essentially has to do with this um, myth that maybe we tried to perpetuate a little bit that the whole idea of careers is that if you're an employer, you log on and you see somebody that has a billion points on Stack Overflow, and they must be an amazing programmer, and so you hire them. 
And uh, that would be a pretty bad business strategy for us because we only have one person with a billion points who is, uh, and that person has a job. Uh, and so does the person with a million points who's the number two and so on. So, um, so, so uh, besides the fact that that wouldn't be a good strategy for us, it's also uh, the, the, the more significant problem is that that's not a good screen of who the good programmers are. And a lot of people would say, well, gosh, just because you're spending all this time on Stack Overflow, that might mean that you're not a very good worker because you're wasting time on Stack Overflow. Um, uh, or vice versa. And there's just no question that it's sort of like, it's sort of like there's all these tools showing up for like hiring developers based on their GitHub portfolios and stuff like that. And that's awesome for people that that create projects and put them on GitHub. And I'm not saying you shouldn't create projects and put them on GitHub or that you shouldn't participate in Stack Overflow, but it's just a really, really small percentage of the awesome programmers that are out there in the world who are actually posting uh, to, to these sites. So that's what I really wanted to answer is just sort of say, listen, careers is not about your your rep score on Stack Overflow. It it can't possibly be about. It. It's just it's mostly what it's about is taking three or four questions that you have answered, where your answer you think is reflective of how brilliant you are at doing awesome work and communicating it well and helping people, and just allowing you to kind of put that front and center in front of the employers that are looking to hire you rather than having the old traditional resume with a list of um, places where you worked that nobody's ever heard of. And these are, I think, complimentary. I think it's about showing, you know, like you said, having data behind these buzzwords on a, say, traditional resume. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I know C-sharp. Well, fine, you know C-sharp. I mean, and then you have the source code angle. Okay, well, let me look at your C-sharp source code in, in GitHub or, you right. know, Right. Google Code or wherever and it happens to be. linked to all that stuff, yep. And that's why our, our career supports that. that. Yep. They explicitly added support for that. Um, and But to me, the more important thing, and this is the, the Joel quote that I love to trot out, is like, I don't actually care if you can write great code. That doesn't necessarily help me. What helps me is if you can explain to me, like, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, why are we doing this? Like, why are you writing this code? What is this code for? Like, convince me that this is, like, a worthwhile thing. Like, get me excited about this code. Like, can you explain it to others? Can you you know, disseminate this information to your team and more importantly to the users that have to use this code. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, is the really important thing. And that's where when you show off like, oh, look at these uh, Stack Overflow questions I have on my account, um, it's letting you know that you can explain it and you can get people excited about it. Um, that is actually, to me, actually more important than code. In fact, I, I often, I was just thinking today about like code, it's tough. Like being a great programmer is is so little about writing tons of great code. Although that helps. Uh, (laughs) But uh, then, but that, but that's really sort of the, uh, yeah, like the the show me the code, the, how you explained it, the, it's not the, the number of points that you've accumulated on a, on a given site that, that, that is really the value. It's like your, um, it's holistic. I mean, the number is there. And, you know, the, the contradiction, I had to actually put a comment on that post because Jason Punyon was explaining that, oh, there was this way for employers to sort by rep. And I remember that because I, I remember putting that in because re- employers, like, wanted it. You know, they're like, oh, I need to sort by rep. Like, mm-hmm. they don't – this gets into education. Like, when I think of careers, like, the big job of careers is educating employers about how not to suck. I got to be honest with you because a lot of employers, like, they think they want to sort by rep. And we have to educate them, like, look, you don't actually want to sort by rep. That's not the way this system works. I know for. you see a number, and you're like, oh, we got to optimize for this number. But that's just as dumb as telling a programmer, right. well, you need to write n lines of code. If you right. write n plus one lines of code, you must be the best programmer ever, which is not only wrong, but, like, dangerously wrong. Like, the more code right. you write, the better you are. 
that's the opposite of true. You know, that's, um, that's not true at all. The programmer that's like dumping out thousands of lines of code is probably pasting, cutting and pasting. <laughs> it's probably your most dangerous programmer, yeah. you know, and that's well, the trick is, is educating uh, employers. And, and what I really want to bring up is you could have a resume that said, I worked um, at Microsoft on the Windows team and then uh, I went to Google and I worked on search and I went to Harvard University. And two people could have that resume that has all that awesome stuff on there. And, and one of them got fired from Microsoft after three weeks for, you know, punching Bill Gates in the face. Never wrote <laughs> any code. Somehow got a job at Google. Like, I'm not even sure how. Maybe just on the basis of the Harvard thing or whatever. Um, or the punching Bill Gates in the face. Yeah, or that. Or that. Uh, and, and, and the other one actually wrote Windows. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and then and then went to Google and invented some gigantic search feature and coded it up in in three weeks. And they look the same on a traditional resume. Those two people look look identical in terms of the 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 things that you're required to put on a resume. It's like, well, what company chose you to work there? And that's pretty much it. Like, what did they what did they decide? And uh, and and for us, it's all about like the minute you read a good, well written explanation of some deep, dark, messy thing and how, you know what the best answers are? The ones that explain, you know, variants in VB script or some like utterly ridiculous thing that's completely absurdly stupid about some programming language. And the ones that can explain that clearly and get you straightened out on that and have a million upvotes for that, those are the posts that are kind of like the best highlights of, of the right kind of thinker. And, uh, and again, it's just to help the employer, uh, judge a person before they go, you know, basically take a shortcut towards the final interview instead of just um, uh, bring, bring in people based on their reputation and then having to discover in a phone interview that they don't know how to program. I think it's funny, too, that the tagline, not to attack GitHub because that's not my point, but the, their, their, their tagline is uh, social coding, you yeah. know? And to me, social coding is, is not about dumping a bunch of source code on someone's like oh just go fork my code and have have a good time it's like read these posts these blog posts or you know stack overflow questions where i explained you know people have questions about the code and i was able to explain like w what it is how it works um you know there's a there's a place you can go to read about the code not the code itself and that's sort of your introduction to the topic okay more so than dumping yourself directly into the code excellent yeah. i don't know this idea that like you navigate by code alone is just kind of mysterious to me I'm not against um, it. I think it's complimentary, but, you know, I don't know. you got to convince me that this is worth doing first. Because, I mean, half the time, like, when we're doing stuff, we have no idea what we should be doing. Like, a lot of what I sit, sit around thinking about all day, and thanks to the meta community because they help me with this, is thinking, like, what, what the hell should we be doing? You know, like, what? There's a million uh, things we could work on tomorrow. L probably literally a million things. But what is the right five things to work on tomorrow? That has nothing to do with code. You know, that has everything to do with oh, communication, yeah, sure. like yeah. figuring out like what just a scope of, of, of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and that to me is the really hard problem. All right. I got a question from uh, from the audience in the chat room. You have two buckets. One is three gallons. One is five. You have a bomb and Samuel L. Jackson. That's, that's <laughs> no use whatsoever. <laughs> this chat room is Joel, a waste of have time. you ever seen Die Hard 3? Yeah. Okay, is that from, from Die Hard it's 3? from Die Hard 3, hence, hence nice. especially the part with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I guess that They're also it. annoyed that I answered the question because, quote, why are we asking questions here if you guys are just going to answer them in the chat room? Are there any other questions in the chat room at all? Da, not, da, da. not serious. Well, there was one about, about um, why Google, why Facebook is 
should use Facebook.stackoverflow and just instead of their own oh, I should QA, do. but we kind of already talked about it. Yeah, we talked about that. Um, deadly. Uh, there's a person who keeps asking about. It. Can I go? For, uh, oh, will will Dev Days be recorded? Um, eh, probably not. No. We'll, we'll, what we're probably going to do is record like a couple sessions out of one or two of them, and we'll make like a couple things available. But yeah, really, if you want the content, you got to be there. Right. Right. We can't. Um, this is a general problem with conferences. Everybody says, "Oh, if I can't afford to go to the conference, or if I can't be there because it's far away, um, why don't you just record it or put it all on a video live?" And that all um, makes sense until you actually try to run a conference and you realize <laughs> that if people don't come to the conference because they could just watch it all on the internet, uh, then you don't have uh, money and there's nobody in the room to laugh at the uh, stupid jokes that the presenter is making, and um, and that's not a conference. That's the internet. So we have that, the internet. <laughs> Um, but but this is a conference, so uh, not exactly. Oh, wait, I'm getting more more things being posted. People don't seem to use referral links. Is that a question that I should? Uh, people don't seem to use referral links very often. Publicist is the rarest badge, despite being one of the easiest gold badges to get, and the silver booster, the third rarest behind any badge. It's funny because I got a million of those. Any thoughts on encouraging more users? Wow, to use the these? dude with like. 50,000 Twitter followers who will click on anything he tweets <laughs> has managed to get the publicist badge. Uh, that's the only thing. Every time I log into Stack Overflow, it's like, hey, you got the publicist badge. Joel, I got 30 new followers because you retweeted me. Like, you're just your followers will do anything. Yeah. Although, I will say, Coding Horror <sighs> drove way more people to the new Dev Days site than you. I didn't tweet about it. Oh, you didn't? No. Oh, contest. Tweet about it. Let's see whether... Because I've got the stats from do that tomorrow when morning. Jeff tweeted yeah, about tomorrow. it yesterday. Tomorrow. Now's not the right time to do that. Um, so it's, those are... First of all, those are relatively new badges, so I would expect less people to have them just because they haven't been around as long historically. These are, these are people that... Um, just, to, just to explain to the audience, if you're looking at a question, there's a little tweet button there. Is it always there? It's very rarely uh, there on Stack Overflow, actually, isn't it? It, it? Stack Overflow doesn't really have that enabled because we didn't think Stack Overflow really needed additional promotion. Promotion. Couldn't fact, hurt. I don't think it's put it on there, man. Let's get the let's get the let's get the the whatever the the page. Um, it's a way of promoting a question, mostly around Stack Exchange, where you can say this question is awesome. I want to retweet this, and you get a special link that includes your user ID in the link. So instead of just being slash Q slash the question number, it's slash Q slash the question number slash your user ID number. And uh, if anybody follows that link, um, you kind of get a credit for publicizing that link. And if you get a bunch of those, you get a badge. And um, you get too many of those, and um, we send you a, a wallet. Um, if you get nine million of those, uh, you get to go to a Don Ho conference uh, concert in Hawaii. All expensive. I'm just paid. trying to look up the badges here. So the easiest one to get is. Uh announcer so that's when you share a link that's visited by 25 unique ips in three days so that means 25 oh, time people limit. yeah well there has to be otherwise it would be insane yeah eventually you'd get it you'd get it for anything yeah and we have reduced it once already um it's about the same on server fault and super user i mean i don't know uh it could be that like you said one of the reasons we're not seeing it on stack overflow is we haven't really turned it on uh and in a very explicit way if you click the link I think you might have mentioned this, but the link, the thing that says link <laughs> under the question will actually give you one of these. So if you want this badge, pick a, an interesting question or something you think needs to be That's answered. That's right. Click link. Click oh, link. Yeah, yeah, right. Share the link somewhere. I mean, I'm assuming people know how to copy and paste at this point in their careers. You don't even have to. We even, we even select it for you. 
<laughs> you don't even have to select copy and paste. You just click link and then... Well, you know what? That's a little too much work. With Bitly, it automatically copies the link to my clipboard. So I don't even have to copy it. Yeah, that's uh, evil. That requires Flash. Like, there's no oh. way, unfortunately... Well, actually, that might be a good stack overflow question. I don't know if there's some fancy HTML5 way to do that, but they're very coy about the clipboard because there's ways to do evil with the clipboard. Oh, like yeah, I'm sure. Pasting. Yeah, but, but shoveling stuff into people's clipboards without them knowing about it or doing it intentionally is kind of a UI no-no because... Well, either way, If they haven't done the action of copying, if they haven't done something that is a copy action, it's going to wipe out something that... They may have, have yeah, a very yeah. important spreadsheet in the clipboard that they were waiting to paste somewhere else. I hope not. And they, and they randomly go and click on something and... <sighs> okay, well, it's uh, good to be back. We can certainly turn on the, the more overt social media buttons... On super user server fault and stack overflow. Um, let's, I'll let's look go at for that. that. What the hell? But I think the real reason is that a lot of people LinkedIn who use um, uh, Stack Overflow and Stack Exchange, that is their social media, right? They're not, these are not Twitter celebrities um, asking programming questions on, on, on Stack Overflow. They're even, even the people who are minor celebrities, a lot of their on Stack Overflow, their celebrity derives from their Stack Overflow work. It's not like they have a Twitter account somewhere on the side that has a billion followers. Right. Really, to be honest with you, this feature was really targeted at Stack Exchange 2.0. So I'm not saying we don't want people to use it on the Trilogy, uh, which is server fault, super user, and Stack Overflow. But it's not nearly as important because the Stack Exchange 2.0 sites need pretty aggressive growth to survive. And they still need that. You you know, the other thing is that uh, the um, we didn't want to clutter the place with about a million links. Yeah, it's more uh, stuff on the page. You know, we're trying to be a little bit protective of what we do. Right. But there are ways to make it, like, sort of appear when you hover over or make it a little bit more subtle. But we are trying not to clutter the page with 9 million. You know how those some of those sites have two rows of social networking buttons, you know, stumble upon LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and then all kinds of things that you've never heard of. Like, submit this page to Reddit. Submit this page to Programming Reddit. Submit this page to Not Safe for Work Reddit. Submit this page to, you know, who knows what. There's, like, too many, too many of them. Exactly. So we'll look at that. That's a good point. Um, I think it's being used more or less correctly, but we can always turn up the volume on it as bump necessary. Up, bump, up, bump up the volume. We now have the full um, complement of the cast team. There are eight of them here. I don't even know some of them. Um, Joel, did you want to talk? The other thing that sort of came up with um, is uh, Grace Note, a.k.a. Chris, wrote a really nice uh, blog post about Community Wiki, because Community Wiki has, has sort of gone to a oh, weird place. Yeah, I totally do, because I didn't understand that blog post, or partially because I was reading it without internet access. So, maybe you can summarize. Well, Community the, the Wiki. Summary, the Community Wiki originally was intended primarily to make things easier to edit, because it used to be Way, way back when. You need a lot of rep. You needed, like, I think 750 rep or something like that to... Well, actually, no, 2,000. You just needed 2,000 rep to edit anything. So So to even begin editing, it's like, okay, well, 2,000 rep is a fairly significant barrier. Mm -hmm. So one of the earliest changes we make, and this wasn't that long ago. This was maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. Mm -hmm. If you consider that everything's almost three years old, that's not... It wasn't at the beginning. Uh, We turned it down, so if, if something is marked Community Wiki... Uh, it used to be 750 rep. That was the old barrier, which mm-hmm. down from 2,000. We turned it all the way down to 100, uh, and and that was the, the new level. But mm-hmm. then we also introduced suggested edits, which means that even an anonymous Internet user could click edit on a post and type in changes and click submit. It still has to be checked and approved, but it sort of did away with this idea that, oh, you know, I can't edit unless 
somebody makes special provisions on the post for community wiki. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was thing number one. Uh, the goal of community wiki was to encourage editing, but editing is already so easy now. It's like, well, where does that leave community wiki? The other thing community wiki does is it disavows reputation. It's a way of putting right. together a post and saying, look, for this post, I don't care about reputation. This is not about the reputation. This is about collaborative editing. So don't worry that if you edit this and make it awesome, I will get the rep because I'm the post owner. So that was there as a, as a, wow, there's so many steps, so many layers to this. It's so complicated. But the theory was that people who are, let's say, rep whores, to use a, a uh, slash dot uh, term, like you're just trying to get a bunch of rep no, no matter what at all costs, would look for the kind of questions Instead of asking a real genuine question they were, they were at, that they actually wanted to know about, they would say, what do you guys think? Is Java the worst thing ever or is .NET even worse? Uh, just yes. because it would get a billion responses and answers and blah, 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 and they would get nine million votes uh, for being so provocative and exciting and risque, and, and they were sort of undeserved votes. And so the idea of Community Wiki was to sort of either by the user themselves, uh, but initially it was a way of sort of having other people, right, punish the user into Community Wiki or just have it flip into Community Wiki because so many people had edited it that you weren't really responsible for it anymore. Well, I think you're getting at one of the the core things about Community Wiki was that it was sort of like a way to turn off unwanted content. Like, the the question that you described, like, you know, how sucky is Java is way off topic. Like, that shouldn't be Community Wiki. It should just be removed from the site entirely. So it does have this weird and perhaps deserved reputation of being sort of like a gateway drug to badness of like, if a, if a question is community wiki, it's already got one foot in the grave in yeah. terms of like, it doesn't really belong on our site. Yeah. Um, so one of the big changes that we made and, and, and Sam, thanks Sam for this. Cause Sam was very adamant about this. And I think he was completely right in retrospect was that community wiki on questions is pretty toxic because a question that starts out community wiki is, like I said, one foot in the grave. And all the answers are forced to Community Wiki. So it's like, it sort of poisons the well. It's like, okay, this is the way things are, and this is the way thing. All the answers will inherit the state. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you look at Community Wiki as a per-answer thing, like when you're answering, you decide, okay, is this a collaborative answer where I actually don't care about rep? I want to I stand up on a podium and say, you know what? I don't care about money. You know, right. I'm going to be a nonprofit organization. Yeah. Uh, and, and organizations do this. This is a completely valid thing to do, right? We're not about money. You, we can provably say we're not about money because we are a nonprofit organization because we don't make money. So for an answer, that might be like uh, uh, an example of using that as an answer might be it might be just to say I don't care about the money. I'm a nonprofit. But it might be, hey, there's four good answers here. I want to combine them and write an awesome combination answer. But I don't want to steal all the rep and I don't want to like get points just because I yeah. – Exactly. Because you know, I basically just cut and pasted a bunch of other answers. Um, so I'm going to make that community wiki to encourage everybody to say, look, this isn't um, me, Joel, trying to, trying to steal some reputation by copying other people's answers. Um, I, I'm actually creating the combined answer that can be the canonical, centralized thing that everybody then agrees to edit for the good of the Internet. Exactly. That's exactly what it's for. Um, it, it turns out that that's not super common. Like, generally... I think Chris does a pretty good job of covering this. Like that's the theory, and we still believe in that theory. But what you have to realize is that Community Wiki is now a very specialized tool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not not that it ever wasn't, but it's even more specialized now than it was then. And most of the time, when you see a great answer, like for example, that Eric Lippert answer, it only takes one Eric Lippert to produce a great answer. It doesn't take five people working collaboratively to make a great answer to a question. It just turns out that due to normal variances and you know skill and writing 
you know, who who is willing to write about certain topics and who's who's good at writing. Who's it generally takes maybe one person to write a great answer is sort of the the short um, obvious answer to that. Um, sometimes, but then there's the type of a- answer which might be. Yeah, the kinds of things that really is like a wiki. I mean, the word wiki is there for a reason. Right. Uh, so a, an example might be um, the, the kind of questions that everybody has where it's like, um, what are the rules of normalized data? I, I don't know if that's a good example, but like, uh, you know, what should I do to make sure my data is normalized or something like that, where, where the, the correct answer might really be an essay and there might be all kinds of, all right, let me think of a better example. Um, ha, well, like the, the canonical answers you talked about, like why is my exactly. PC f- why is my PC freezing? What are the things I should user? check? Yeah, what, 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 are the, what is a good checklist of things to determine why? And, and that particular thing may wind up being a huge document that's like, check this, then check that, and then if this happens, and go here, and if that happens, go there. And that kind of thing is the kind of thing where people may have tiny little bits of information to add and insert and, and modify all the time. And that's very much that wiki spirit of like, let's, let's collaborate on having this canonical source of uh, the information. I have a perfect example of that, and it's one that we put together for our own nefarious purposes, As but it usual. also helps the internet. Mm-hmm. So the question is, okay, I can't get to a website. Now, we run a lot of websites, right? <laughs> and every now and then, people can't get to them for a variety of reasons that may or sometimes our fault, to be fair. Yeah. But often they're not. So we wanted to have, we were like, why isn't there a single post on the internet? We can say, look, if you can't get to a website, follow these steps to sort of figure out for yourself, like, is it our problem? Is it your problem? Right. You know? And and Kyle on Superuser wrote a great great answer, and he did market community wiki. Um, the title is "How do I diagnose not being able to reach a specific website as an end user?" Right. And it's got a really nice set of steps of like how do you begin figuring this out. Um, of course, uh, then the catch twenty two is how do we how do we show this to people when they can't get to Superuser? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a and I ask question. actually well no this is a good example Joel. So it's I asked question, a question two three one nine seven seven. Yep, two three one nine seven seven. So then, the obvious joke question is: Well, what if you can't get to that question because they can't reach the Stack Exchange network for whatever reason? I asked another question on web apps about how do I mirror a web page? Are there any services for mirroring web pages? And it turns out there's a couple sort of nonprofit style ways of mirroring web pages through either oh, Google Cache or Coral Cache. Yeah, um, that was another interesting question that came out of that. But this is a good example of a community wiki. We want people to go and look at this and say, oh, here's some additional you know, troubleshooting steps if you can't get to a website. Yeah, that, I mean, that particular out. one has only been edited uh, about six times, which is yeah. not, not so many. But, but we started at community wiki, though, for intentionally. For, for that particular uh, – the question or the answer? The answer. Started the answer. Community wiki. Right. The answer. Right. But this, so that, again, gets back into like the answer being wikis is more correct than the question generally. Yeah. Okay, so that's a, that, that would be that classic example of, like, this can get just better and better and better. Anybody can go in there and edit it. This is almost like a Wikipedia entry that they are never going to have because that's, Wikipedia is too obsessed with the French 18th century definition of an encyclopedia. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> Before I uh, community wiki. Community wiki. Okay, so that's, um, d- what, so is it gone? There's no more for? community wiki for questions? This is what I keep getting confused about. Is, well, is there thing, any circumstance under which you can make something community wiki for a question? No, never. Okay. Not unless you fly, unless the moderator decides it should be. You can flag it and say you think it should be. Yeah. But we generally frown on that. Like we don't want to do that. I mean, we will if you hold an arm behind, you know, behind our back. But it's not something we want to do. Whereas answers should be much more common. Right. Right. Uh, one thing that also came up, and, and I noticed maybe this is sort of my problem, is that we tend to 
explain things in terms of what not to do. Mm-hmm. And we don't always provide good guidance on like what you should be doing. In other words, people complain that, okay, you've told us what not <laughs> Wiki is not for. Now give us some examples of what it actually is for. Yeah. You know, like the positive examples. Well, here's where it's being used totally correctly, which I, we just did with the, the super user uh, thing that Kyle put together. You know, how, do I get to, how do I diagnose not being able to get to a website? That's a great example of a correct use of community wiki. But we probably could do a better job of that. Um, there was also a complaint. Well, not complaints, not the right word. Somebody posted on DIY's meta that DIY did not have examples of, like, here's the types of questions you should be asking here in the fact. Right. A lot of the mature sites have this now. The first part of the fact is editable by the, the community moderators. And programmers certainly has this. Programmers has a very deep uh, set of guidance around this because they have had so many issues. Um, uh, and there's a number of sites like Cooking has this. Um, they've done a pretty good job of outlining, okay, here's the sort of questions we expect you to be asking here. Mm-hmm. Before mm-hmm. getting to – and then here's the questions we don't want you to ask here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That does make sense. Is Maybe this start- uh, uh, let me see software engineering testing career advice? Da, da, da. Yeah, that the programmers has gone crazy. There, there's a lot of improvements to the fact since I've been away too. I should point yes, out. There's also a badge for reading the fact as well. If you read every section of the fact, if you click on every section you and read click it, on those little why, why are those triangles broken? What do you mean? Why they're broken? Uh, I guess they're, they're okay. not broken. You're broken. <laughs> All right, we'll talk. Um, they're, they seem to be pointing in an f- unexpected direction. That's all. I think, I think that's actually the Mac way. I that think is, we that is the Mac way. It's oh, kind of weird. Max. A lot of people have... The, oh, Mac. <laughs> the whole triangle, expando, despando. They're supposed to be... I guess in the Mac, they're on the left. I, I, the reason I'm getting confused is because there's something that's always showing. Oh, I see. There's also show more. Sweet. Collapse. Show more. Expand all. God, this is sexy. It's a valuable trip. The new version of Mac doesn't have the triangle-y thing. No, they really? have it somewhere. No, I think you're just supposed to know. I think it's like no, if, if you're still using a computer, you should probably know that you can do this kind of thing. No, it has still has the triangle thing. You just have to go. Uh, you have to go uh, into the into Finder in list mode. It doesn't have it in every mode, but in list mode, it still has triangles. That's the second uh, icon, the one that has four little horizontal. All right, we're getting off subject. This podcast has gone on for way yeah way too many way too many. Uh, longs um and and i don't know how to do it anymore having so out of practice <sighs> well it helps if you're not staring at your computer screen i need to um announce that the newsletters i'm gonna i'm gonna use my promo period at the end of this podcast to to promote the the newsletters uh, one more time because um you should all sign up for the newsletters because they're awesome um every stack exchange site including stack overflow but every stack exchange site has newsletters and you get there by going to stackexchange.com, click on newsletters top right hand corner and uh, you'll see a list of all our sites and you subscribe to as many friggin newsletters as you want and once a week you'll get the best questions from that site emailed to you and it's not $100 not $20 it's then how much is it it's absolutely completely and utterly free wait but is there more but wait there's more wait wait so it comes with someone that has time to read the email (laughs) (laughs) I will say, I did just subscribe a couple weeks ago. It took me a couple weeks to get around to subscribing, but I finally did get around to subscribing. I've got, like, DIY and AVP and a couple of the other ones. They're really good. I I subscribe to, yeah, I subscribe to a lot. These are sites that I would never go to, like science fiction and fantasy. And then I get the newsletter, and it's like, why did Scotty think Captain Kirk was alive in season six, episode four of Star Trek TNG? And it's like, I I care about that. I'm going to click on that. 
So um, I, I have never gotten a newsletter that didn't have at least one thing that I thought was interesting enough to, to, to learn from. So um, so uh, the, news, the newsletters are awesome. They look really good. Um, congratulations to the dev team yep, that, that, that did them. That was em, em, largely Emmett, Jen, have, uh, and yeah, I think a little bit of David. I don't know if I'm allowed to say. We have like 20,000 subscribers already, and we just launched this thing. So it's 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 sweet. How many do we have? Uh, 20,963 subscribers. So um, the newsletters are pretty popular. Um, and, and they're really there. They're not there for like the main site that you visit every day because you're going to see the cool stuff on the homepage is going to keep coming up. It's for the site that you're kind of interested in, but you know it's just not on your rotation of sites that you might check. Um, so let's see. Next week uh, we'll be back again with another podcast, right? I don't have any. That's correct. That is Do we correct, have any sir. cool guests? We have such an awesome backlog of guests. We have, we we have, we have got a huge backlog. backlog. John Sheehan's going to be on in a couple of weeks. We've got he's going to be on September twentieth. Yeah, we got a bunch of Dev Day speakers coming up. Yep. Um, I don't know who all these people are. They sound um, awesome. The big question the, will be: we, in two weeks, we're going to be in California during our normal taping time on what is the oh, yeah. 13th of September. Yeah, so we we'll got to figure out. We'll do an episode then. We can do I one got then. a lot of travel coming up. I, I, yeah. um, there's going to be some, some, some podcast cast, but you know, we've never had interruptions before. I've always managed to do a field podcast. Yeah. Or, I mean, it's pretty easy. We, yeah. And as long as you have your laptop, you can just call back in and I can have right. someone set up here to, I have, to as I have some kind of internet access better than what we had at the uh at the upstate adirondack um, lakeside camp i I can't deal with like no internet access for that long i just get bored like (laughs) i want to read i like reading the news i like being in touch (laughs) when we got there there was just a phone there's like a phone you know the cell phones didn't work but there was a phone in the cabin and uh it had a dial tone everything you could call we knew what the phone number was but after the first couple of hours it broke (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what? We had to drive oh up the road God. 10 minutes to get... Um, fortunately, we figured out why it was broken and we were able to repair it after a day. But for a day, we had like nothing, zero. To, you know, like smoke signals, maybe, if you can figure out how to light a fire. They did. They had They had a lot of did, wood. Did you guys know how to light fires? Yeah, yeah. They had wood. They had kindling. They had matches. And they had blankets. So we could have sent smoke signals. That's the end of the uh, sex change. But what, what podcast number is this, um, Producer Alex? Um... Let's go with 14, 16. 47. Can we, real quick, can can you just say, like, pause for a second, say, uh, we'll be back after a, you know, a quick, a yeah. quick sponsor I'll, thing. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. Ready? And silence and roll. What am I supposed to do? Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely leaving this part in. Just, all right. I, okay. Just okay. Say, like, shut up. We'll, we have be, a we'll be right back after a quick break. Yeah, I see. Yes. I, I, okay. We'll be right back after a break. <laughs> well, well, do you want me to do it, Alex? Uh, yeah, well, considering we don't have another choice, yeah, let's go with Jeff here. Uh, well, give me the, give me the text again. Just Sorry. be, uh, you know, all right, we're going to take a quick break for a quick promo for one of our SE sites, and we'll be right back. Okay. All right, I'm ready. All right, we're going to take a quick break uh, for uh, a Jeff, promo. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> can, we, can we mute Joel for this? Let's go ahead and mute Joel. All right, Joel's muted. You are safe, Jeff. Okay, now I'm scared, though. Okay. <laughs> okay, silence. All right, we're going to take a quick break for a promo from one of our Stack Exchange Network podcasts. And we'll be right back. Perfect. All right, we got it. I can I can drop that in, recalibrate everything, edit, mix, match, and... Can, but, I, can I do the we're back? Sure. We're, We're back. 
Well, I don't think we need to say we're back. We just come back. We just start talking All right. again. All right, oh, that, was that, was very, that was very interesting, Apple Stack Exchange. Thank you very much for that enlightening uh, moment of uh, brought to you by Johnny Doer. Yep, I'm sure Kyle had something to do with that. So hi, Kyle. He did. He did. Kyle five. Hi, Kyle. Hi, Kyle. I think Kyle's in the chat room right now. So hopefully he's being entertained by uh, our slaughtering of the uh, background. <clears throat> yes. Or of the tags on each end. Okay. See you next week. Bye, right, everyone. See you next week.